Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. And good morning. We're going to... Man, I love this. Look at this. We're a social church. We are engaged. We're all about relationships. And uh, we're going to have plenty of time to connect and reconnect in the new year. And uh, how many enjoyed that big snowstorm we got this weekend? Uh, Just emptying out shelves at the local supermarket and, you know anti-hoarding laws kicking in the DMV just in a panic because a big storm is coming. Just so you know, we've been here a while, so we always know we're, it's, we're right on the edge. We'll either get it all or get nothing, and uh, we, we got nothing this week, and uh, maybe that's good news. How many wanted snow this past week? All right, a good mix. How many uh, did not want the snow, and you're happy for all right, good deal. Well, we're going to welcome our uh, Dulles campus that's with us, and uh, why don't we welcome them, Tenley Town. Tell them we're glad that they're joining us. And it's going to be a good day, and I hope, uh, I hope you Dulles campus, hope you're doing well this morning. I know Heather's over there with you and our great team, and uh, we're glad you made it to church. We're glad that you made it to church here in Tenley Town. And if you're uh, joining us on our online campus, thank you for being a part of that as well. We're going to jump right in today. How many have a Bible? It's 2024. How many have a Bible with you in church? That's a big Bible. Wow. That is that is uh, extra large Bible over there. Maybe you got it on your phone. You can take out your phone. And of course, you can hop on our Citizen Heights app and you can join along in the notes uh, so you can track along with us. Our team will put stuff up on the, the side screens as well so we can see and hear and read. And we're going to turn together to two passages this morning, Luke 11 and Matthew 6. Luke 11 and Matthew 6, you can put your thumb uh, or your little uh, bookmark in, in one and turn to the other. Because I want to talk to you today about the blessed life. Everybody say blessed life. Now this is a series we do almost every every year. We don't even think about what do we name in January? We're calling it the blessed life uh, because there are certain principles uh, that we want to learn and refresh and kind of like load up uh, before we start a new year. And in fact, we're taking the entire month of January like we normally do to learn and put into practice uh, some good principles for starting a new year. Do you have your, your hit list of things that you're trying to employ and roll out in a new year? Most of us have uh, some, some changes, some things we're trying to minimize, some other things we're trying to start. And there are certain principles that lead us into living in God's blessing. Can you say amen? Yeah, so we want to learn that. We want to learn those principles, and we want to learn to live in the blessing of God. So we're going to take a few weeks. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be rewiring for some, maybe hot wiring for others, just to kind of get in sync to live for, in God's blessing. And today specifically, I want to talk about prayer and fasting. Okay? No, never get an amen when I say stuff like that, but I'm going to try it again. Today I'm going to talk about prayer and fasting. You're such a good church. You know, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of offerings. 
No, sorry, that's a dirty trick. Preachers should never do that. Because I, I say it like it's going to be something, and you're like, yeah, we're going to amen, and then I do the old switcheroo. You know, Jesus didn't say my house will be a house of, like, awesome worship albums. You know, Jesus didn't say my house will be a house of incredible, you know, outreaches and, and community engagement. Now, all those things are part of what God is doing, and, but what he said when he boiled it all down, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. So we're going to talk about prayer and fasting. Anybody want to say amen to that? And, and as I've already uh, told our Tenleytown campus, and I'm sure Dulles campus has heard as well, today we start 21 days of possible. And that's what we call every year, 21 days of possible. We start the, the 21 days in January, we take 21 days, and we pray and we fast. And uh, can I just be bold and say, I'm believing God for 100% participation this year. And some of you are like, he's dreaming. That's right, you gotta have a dream. Uh, because I think so highly of, of not just, uh, you know, your intelligence, but your spiritual hunger. That we would say, God, I, I want to know what you have in store for 2024. I want to have God answers, God vision, God sense of purpose. And so I'm believing for 100% participation because I want to, honestly, I'm believing for 100% participation in God's blessing. Uh, we don't want anybody to miss out, and, and I'm believing for that participation uh, in Jesus' teaching. So this is not just like a Citizen Heights, hey, let's do this. This is what Jesus said we would do as followers of Christ. So Jesus taught us about prayer and fasting. Did you know that? Prayer and fasting, uh, Jesus taught about and And so we see in scriptures that Jesus saw prayer and fasting as a normal part of your life. Prayer and fasting as a follower of Jesus, it's a normal part of your life. And uh, I remember fasting, it's a little bit more in vogue, I would say now, because science, even neuroscience, not just like, we had science before where intermittent fasting can help you with this and maybe lose weight and it'll kill some dead cells and, you know, all this, all this uh, health benefits of fasting. Well, I remember fasting before we knew some of that stuff. And uh, fasting was not a term that the general public was aware of. It was more of a spiritual, religious thing. And I remember I took a new job, and I, I, it was my first day in the DA's office, and I walk in, and they're doing a big luncheon. They're like, come on, new guy, we're going to lunch. And I had already decided, it was January, I had already decided I'm doing 21 days of fasting. And so, you know, for the next week, I danced around their, their food events, like, you know, oh, I'll just have tea, you know. Uh, and I just tried to, like, hide it. And about 10 days in, uh, one of the secretaries was like, listen, you have not eaten since you've been here. And it is weirding us all out. And I said, okay, I'm, I'll come clean. This is something that I do at the beginning of the year. I fast because I want to uh, hear God for my life. And it's just, it's a discipline I do. And she looked at me like, anybody like the Christmas story, the movie, the Christmas story? I watch it every year. It's like, she looked at me like lobsters were crawling out of my ears. Um, like, I was crazy. What? You're going without food? Well, that's not really today. Today, people understand, like, there's medical reasons, there's health benefits. 
Um, there's even uh, you know new new neuroscience that suggests that you know willpower and doing something you don't want to do but doing it anyway, and how that really realigns your your you uh, neurologically and a certain part of your brain kind of expands and grows and and uh, so we know fasting what it is it's going without food but Jesus taught us to pray and to fast and 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 spoke in such a way that it was unusual if you weren't doing it as a follower of Jesus okay so let's look at a text here I, I think you've already uh, started turning Luke chapter 11 we'll put this on the screen and we alluded to this a few moments ago in the wrap-up with the Lord's Prayer but this is a setup for the Lord's Prayer and it says in Luke 11, it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So Jesus replied to them in verse 2, and he said, When you pray, say, can we do this together? Let's do it together out loud. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins it, amen and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one so no matter what version you've read that or memorized that in that is a response to the disciples request teach us to pray and what I, I want to take note of is in verse 2 if we can put verse 2 back up and it, not so subtly should be emboldened so you can, you can see this idea. Jesus says, when you pray. When, not if. He says, when you pray. Now, is there anybody, let me ask you, anybody here in a relationship? Just raise your hand. Anybody in a relationship here? Oh, if you're, if you're, if you're with that person and, and not sure, <laughs> some of you are like both hands up. Yes, Jesus, just do it. Yeah, if you don't know and that person's here, don't raise your hand. You, you should know. But if you're dating, if you're engaged, and by the way, if you're married, yes, you should put your hand up. You are in a very significant relationship. Um, if you're in a relationship, there are ifs and then there are whens. There's ifs and then there are whens. Uh, uh, you know, like I got married fairly young. My wife and I started learning that there was ifs and whens. And the ifs is like, well... If I get time, I'll take the trash out. Or if, if I get time, you know, I'll clean my side of the room up. Do you remember when you were first married and there was your side of the room and their side of the room, and now it's, hopefully, it's journeyed into a collective thing? You know, you just, I used to do that. I'd fold up all my stuff, clean up all my stuff, make my side of the bed, and, you know. So there are ifs and whens. Like, if I have time, I'll do that. If I get around to it, you know, Okay. If I think of it, um, and I remember at one point, I, I, I was being asked to come home for dinner. We we're going to have dinner together. And she was like, hey, we're going to have dinner at such such time. I said, well, if, if I have time and if I think of it, I'll, I'll be back in time for that. And I found out that there are ifs, and then there are whens. And uh, that was not an if moment. See, I grew up just eating when you want to eat, where you want to eat. It was not a family event. It was just everybody hustling, doing their own thing. And uh, that was not, 
that was not the dynamic that we wanted to build in a relationship, but I didn't understand it at first. So uh, first married, you know, I was driven. I was working 12 plus hours a day. Um, then we added law school into the mix, and there's a lot going on. But, but there, was a, there was something that I had to come to learn, and that is if you want to have a certain kind of relationship, you got to have some wins, not some ifs. Not if I get around to see, if is a very conditional word. If it aligns, if I have time, if, if it suits me, if I prefer it in the moment. But there has to be something. In any relationship, there has to be the certainty of when, not just the possibility of if. And, and when we had to, you know, we had to figure those out. Heather and I, like dinner, dates, family time. You know, you have to figure that out. Those are whens. Those aren't ifs. You hear me? All the married people say Amen. You know, nobody lays on their deathbed wishing they had billed a few more hours or put in a few more weekends at work. Nobody regrets looking back on life and saying, oh, if I had just done more. No, no. I had to have some strategic conversations because priorities give you certainty and priorities always get a calendar entry. If it's a priority, it's on the calendar, right? And, and Heather and I had to learn that. There are certain things that were going on our calendar that had to be on our calendar. It wasn't if we got around to it or wanted to, it, like in the moment. It was a priority, so we had to give it some certainty. And uh, in our relationship, we're in a relationship with Jesus. Can you say amen to that? There are some amazing whens. Uh, and we just read about one. Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray, not, you know, if you feel like praying. We know f- do, only doing what you feel like doing is, is a recipe for a very shallow life. Uh, but when you do the things that you don't want to do, some, some of you have experienced that this week just with new fitness goals or new dietary goals or whatever, and you do it after two days and you're like, I, I am a machine. Look at me. Like, I look so good, you know, or I feel so good. And it's just like two days off sugar. And you're like, yeah, I know. I'm, but it's not just that. It's not just the chemical component. It's the psychological component of knowing I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing to receive like a, a richer, fuller, uh, longer, healthier life. And there's a blessing in that. Now, Jesus says, when you pray, and he's giving instruction, and it's based on a supposition that we will be praying, that we will be praying. That means he's He's made an appointment, and he's waiting for us to boldly approach the throne of grace and pray. So when you pray, it's not a matter of if, it's, it's a matter of when, right? And so, and we, we already talked about his house is a house of prayer. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What time? If it's not an if, it's a when. What time is your time? Like, have a plan going into the next 21 days. Say, this is my time. This is my time where my relationship with Jesus is, it gets the number one priority, and there's certainty to when we're going to connect. And so writing that down in your calendar, telling your spouse or a loved one or, or somebody in your citizen group, an accountability partner, just saying, I'm a 6 a.m. guy because I want to frame my day, or I'm going to do it at noon. That's when I'm going to pray. But just having some certainty, and as a church, you already know, daily at 7 a.m., we're going to be on Zoom together. And uh, I think that's just like a 15 or 20-minute slot. We're just going to jump on 7 a.m. We're going to pray and get you on your way. And that's on Zoom. You do it with your phone, as easy as can be. 
But on Saturday morning at 9 a.m., we're going to be in person at both campuses. And, and so you can come out and pray. And then on Thursday night at 7.30 p.m., we're going to be at Tenley Town. So you, Dulles, you're all invited to come over. And uh, we're going to be praying. Those are some wins for corporate prayer, but you need wins for personal prayer. If the only time you're worshiping is when you're at church, you're missing out on God's blessing. The only time you're praying is when someone at church is praying. You're missing out on a personal component of that relationship. And so what I want to talk about and kind of lay a framework for is this idea of when. James 5.16 says the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It gets a lot done when you pray. And sometimes we think we don't have time to pray because we have too much to do. But I found that if I pray, I have less to do. God does more for me, and, and, and I find that he's solving problems I didn't know exist. He's giving answers I didn't know I needed. And as I pray, it's amazing how uh, slotting that in, in, in your calendar frees up other areas. So prayer avails much. So what can I expect? Let me tell you, 21 days, you pray with us, you pray on your own, you take that prayer card and start learning to pray and growing in prayer, and this is what you can expect. What, it says it avails much, well what? Three things you can expect. When I pray, I receive, number one, a change of heart. When I pray, I receive a change of heart. See, Ezekiel 36, the text there on the screen, it says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Have you ever felt like you just got kind of hard? You got kind of crusty. You kind of like, I stopped believing. I, I kind of had this, this edge on me. I started seeing people through this negative lens. But prayer is, is a conversation with God, but it's a prayer. Prayer is a conversation about transformation. It changes you, right? Prayer changes you. And I think a lot of times we pray to get something or to do something. You know, I pray, God, get me this, or God, give me strength to do that. When a lot of times we need to be praying to become something. Because God is changing us in our times with him. Prayer changes who we are. Prayer isn't always intended to change the circumstances. Sometimes it's more lofty goal and purpose is to change me. Change my attitude, change my perspective, change my outlook. I need to change, and somehow in that relational exchange with Jesus, the Bible says, behold, you're conformed into his image as you behold him. You're changing. Prayer changes what you, what you want in life. Not just who you are, but it changes what you want. Remember Jesus in the garden in, in Luke chapter 22? He, he says, Lord, this is what I will. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. See, that's a powerful prayer to say, I'm, I'm willing for some things I should not be willing for. The only will I want is God's will. And so you want to set 2024 up for blessing? You say, God, I want your will, not my will. I would have settled you had something better in mind. Come on, I would have, I kind of just would have limped along with it. You wanted to heal it. I probably would have just tried to, to live with it and accommodate it and make peace with it. But God, you wanted to, to defeat it and give me victory over it. It changes what we want. That's a powerful prayer to pray, not my will. You know, in marriage, every day is kind of like, well, the two are becoming one. So what in my will will, will, will die today? So what's better for us 
is kind of like, you know, gets, gets the win. But in your relationship with God, he has your best interest in mind. And so when we say, not my will, we know Jesus, the, um, after Jesus' baptism, says he went into the desert for 40 days, and he fasted and prayed for 40 days. And so, um, you know, we're, we're told 25 different times that Jesus went a little farther to go pray. He's with the disciples, but he kind of like slips off and goes and prays. And that is mind-boggling to me. Consider that. That's Jesus. He's God in the flesh, yet there's something in the transaction of prayer that is so essential that God in the flesh is praying. Right? Is this this riveting and profound? Are you this disinterested and and tired? Was Was it a big night last night? Think about that. Jesus is saying, not only when you pray, but I pray. Jesus is praying throughout the Gospels. 25 occasions, the Bible tells us he's off praying. 40 days and nights, he's fasting and praying. If Jesus needed the power and the authority and the connection that came from prayer, how much more do I? How much more do we need it? So how do we do it? The disciples asked Jesus, he answered, the model prayer. And then they went on and prayed Pentecost into being. And then they went on and the disciples prayed Paul out of prison. And then they went on and prayed and literal chains broke off and little doors came off hinges and blind saw and the, the, the deaf heard and the lame walked. Come on. They, he said, this is how you pray. And they prayed and things changed. It all started when they admitted, we need help. We need help. Lord, will you teach us to pray? Here it is. So we receive a heart change. It's a conversation about transformation. Number two, we receive answers and directions. The prayers of a powerful man or woman avail much. Well, what can we expect in 21 days? Expect to receive answers and direction. How many can get excited about that? Why? Because it's a conversation about direction. It's not just a conversation about transformation. It's a conversation about direction. Isaiah 30 says, your own ears will hear him. Say, my ears. Look at your neighbor. Say, your ears. Say, God gets personal. He said, your own ears will hear him. Behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go. How many want God to speak, this is the way you should go in 2024? Get ready for answers. You know, God gives answers and gives direction. Heather and I always have a little bit of a hit list. Like, we're believing God to answer this. We're believing it 21 days. And so we were talking about it the other day. What are you believing for? What do you, there's things that I need God to change in me, but there's also things I need God to direct me in. So we start praying about this and this, and we've got our, our little list. You should have a list. It should touch your family. It should touch, you know, your business. It should touch people who you're believing for healing, Right? It's amazing how much God will say to you when you're praying and seeking and knocking and, de- and declaring. God will talk to you. He's like, I'm, I'm right behind you. A voice will say, this is the way that you should go. You'll be amazed. And you know what I find is, <laughs> I always, I said this to my pastor one time years ago. We were in a season of prayer and fasting. It was probably the second or third week. And I came up to him and said, boy, your preaching has been fire lately. Like, it's so on point. Like, you're, it's just getting me every single time he's like i haven't changed (laughs) 
He goes, you're just reading and praying and in God's presence enough to hear some of the things he's saying so God has something to highlight on Sunday because you're active Monday through Saturday. (laughs) A lot of times the prophetic thing that God wants to highlight, there's nothing there to highlight because we didn't let him write anything throughout the week. So if you're putting something in your spirit between Monday and Saturday, God starts to highlight God starts to lead you. God starts to direct you. Why? Because prayer is not a monologue. It's it's a conversation. And it's a conversation about direction. And so you start where you are. It's a conversation like any other conversation. And I wasn't very good at it, and neither were you in your first few words and in your first few weeks and in your first few months. But you start to pick it up. You'll use the wrong tense. You'll use the wrong case. We had a, a young man one time praying it, like never do an open mic for, for prayer nights and we had this, this young teenager came up and oh man I can't even say what he said in the mic I could do it in a youth meeting I think but uh, he, he's like God says this and he starts prophesying I'm like oh man it's 16 year old speaking for God I hope he knows the Bible a little bit because those would be the parameters you don't want to spill over in these prophetic moments and sure enough he spilled over and he basically issued a complete judgment and God is ticked off but he said some other words about it and uh, I had to pull him aside and say you know what that's uh you know not sure that's what really what God was saying in that moment you know but but you learn how to pray and you make a few mistakes, but you're around people who love you and say, we're not listening to you pray to be impressed by you. We're listening to you pray because we want to agree with you. We want God to move in your life. We want God to answer those questions. We want God to, to come through and, and for, for God to show himself strong. So we're ready to say amen. Don't worry if you said it in King James. Don't worry if you said it in, in, in Greek or Aramaic or with perfect understanding of theology. You just begin to pray, and that conversation will grow. Amen? Uh, I got to keep going. All right. We receive answers and direction. It's a conversation about direction. Amen? Uh, all right. Well, I, I said I'd talk about prayer and fasting, so I do have to take just a few minutes, and then, then we'll close. So give me just a couple of minutes, because fasting is a big part of the next 21 days, and I'm well aware that some of us, that's new territory. And so when we're talking about prayer and fasting, I want to I pause and make a similar point about fasting that we just made about praying. And we see that in Matthew 6. I didn't forget. I said we'd go to Luke 11, Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, verse 16, Jesus says, we can put this on the screen for you, it says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast... Say, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus says, fasting is not a public display, right? Don't be obvious about it. Don't, you know, because Jesus is speaking to a a, a section, a, a sect of people in his day that love to have spiritual hierarchy. They love to look spiritual and be like, look at us, look what we're doing for God. And Jesus says, that's not how you fast. It's, when you fast, you're not doing something for God. You're humbling your flesh. 
And he said, so do it in secret, and there will be a reward for it. But what, what I want to really consider, again here, is the assumption of Jesus. When you fast. If you're a follower, you're fasting. When you fast, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So when says, when says it's happening, right? And it's happening at a set time. Fasting is, is not a possibility. Fasting is a certainty in the life of someone following Jesus. Okay? Does that make sense? So again, Jesus fasted for 40 days. If Jesus needed the power and authority that comes from fasting, how much more do we? We need what fasting does for us. And, I, and although the health and neurological benefits and are, are well documented, there are spiritual benefits and blessings to fasting. And uh, fasting, in, in one sense, uh, we know that fasting is about uh, authority, getting authority in the name of Jesus. Because remember, uh, uh, Matthew 17, matter of fact, let's put this up. Um, Jesus has his disciples come to them, and they bring this, this uh, oh, actually, the, the man, the father comes and says, Jesus, your disciples tried to help my son. He's sick. He's got d demonic oppression in his life. Your disciples tried to help him, but they couldn't help him. And so Jesus helps the man, helps his son, heals him, casts the demon out. And then the disciples say, how come we couldn't do it? Like we're saying in Jesus' name. And Jesus says in verse 21, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So Jesus makes very clear there is an authority as a believer that you walk in when you fast that you do not walk in when you are not fasting. Do you hear me? So it's about authority in his name, and it's also about being empowered by his spirit. Being empowered by his spirit. Like, I want you to just, this is an obvious statement for some, but maybe for others it's a new thought. You are primarily a spiritual being. You, you might not feel like that, and I know the world around us just kind of just really, really tries to isolate us into the physicality and the temporal nature of our existence, but we are spiritual beings. We are made in the image of God. And so there is a spiritual dimension, and there's, the Bible says that as believers, we can have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Luke 4, verse 14, after Jesus fasted for 40 days, remember, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Jesus was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. So he's seen it all. He's been there the whole time. But it says that Jesus, after fasting for 40 days in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Fasting brings an anointing on your life that brings a blessing not just to you but through you for others. Do you hear me? There's a blessing of an anointing on your life. So when you hear that somebody at work is sick, something rises up in you. You say, I'm gonna, can I pray for you? When you hear that somebody lost their job, everybody else is lamenting, and you can lament for a moment, but then you're stirred with faith. Say, I don't believe you lost a job. I believe God is aligning you to a better job, and I want to pray faith right now in a boldness that comes by the Spirit of the Lord. See, we're spiritual beings, and we're finger painting in the natural when we could be Rembrandts in the spiritual. Like we're just like, like you know, like zombies. Pay the mortgage, do the stuff, fulfill the obligations. And we've been called to a higher plane. 
and a higher existence. And the blessing of fasting is it silences that loud physical voice of appetite and preference that my flesh is king. You know, that's what fasting does. It, it, it humbles your flesh. You will not eat when you want to eat. You will eat when I say so. And then you just drive by Good Stuff Eatery and you just think, oh, devil, what are the chances that I'm, going, I'm driving by Good Stuff Eatery? I never drive by Good Stuff Eatery. I have to, I'm just going to have a little bit, and then I'll get back on tomorrow. No, no. Tell yourself no, and then mean it. Never trust a person who can't say no to themselves. I'm telling you, that's the truth. Fasting puts your spirit on notice. Spirit, you're supposed to be in charge in there. Right? I got a body, I got a soul, I got a spirit. Most of us, our soul and our bodies are driving this car, and the car looks like it's been in a smash-up, crash-up derby. But you start fasting, and you can tell your spirit, Spirit, what are you doing in the back seat? You're supposed to be in the front seat. He's like, well, these guys keep pushing me out of the way. And it's because your willpower lets them. And you go, oh, oh, okay. Shut up, flesh. Shut up, appetites. Shut up, personal preferences. It's time that I humble you so that my spirit, I can hear his voice again. It's the spirit of God communing with your spirit. And all of a sudden, you start to want things you didn't want, but it's the right stuff you're wanting. Fasting puts your spirit on notice. It humbles your flesh. It realigns your spirit. And, and I want to say one other thing about fasting. I know I'm going a little long, but we'll wrap this real quick. Biblical fasting is food. So you will read in, in our, on our online guide. If you've never fasted before, you can read through and, and see, like, here's options. Here's how you can fast. This is a Daniel fast where you're just doing, like, fruits and vegetables. There's, a, you know, a fast where you can skip a meal here or, or the— lunch every day and you're going to pray instead of eating you know periodic fast um and, and there's other things like if you're medically unable to fast um or there's other reasons there's no condemnation right and you can definitely enjoy some other types of fast like social media fast um alcohol video games netflix you know uh these are all good these are even if you're I would say these are a great way to declutter and focus your life no matter what. But for everybody who is not in the category of medically unable to fast, I will say this strongly probably than I've ever said it before. A biblical, fa a biblical fast is fasting food. That's what it is. It's a biblical fast is, is eliminating food from your, from your life in some way. And so I'm going to ask you 100% to try it. It might be a meal. It might be a type of food. It might be just juice. It, there are a lot of options. You can read them in the, in the fasting and, and prayer guide. But try it. Um, and I'll say this. You can't fast something that you never do. Okay? <laughs> I know that goes without saying. Some of you are sneaky, and you're already, like, way ahead of me. You're like, oh, I'm fasting going to the gym for 21 days. Like, you don't go to the gym. That's not fasting. You have to give something up. It's like saying to a Maryland driver, you're going to fast driving well. It's like, you don't drive well, you can't fast. It's terrible. I know. Terrible. Fasting is going without something you normally would not go without. So uh, you can check the prayer gu guide. Get a plan. 
get a plan together because Jesus said, when you fast. When are we fasting, Citizen Heights? We're fasting right now for 21 days. It's going to look different for some of us. You don't have to check in on someone and say, what are you doing? And, well, it looks like you're gaining weight, not losing weight. No, it's none of your business what I'm doing. I'm doing this in secret as unto the Lord. But publicly, we want to learn about what Jesus taught about fasting and prayer. Amen? We close with this thought, thought and, and maybe we can get the team up. Um, the, the last thought, prayer avails much. Uh, what can you expect for 21 days, praying and fasting? The third thing, I'm going to receive boldness to approach him. And so th- that means this is a conversation. Number one, we said it's a conversation about transformation. Number two, we talked about how it's a conversation about getting direction. But prayer is also a conversation about connection. It's, it's connecting you to God. And some of you probably still consider Christianity almost religion or attendance or a meeting you go to because this has been an area that hasn't really developed yet for you. But you'll talk to some believers and they talk about Jesus like he's their best friend. Like they know him. Like they hang out. Like it's a personal connection for them. And it's no longer religion and a study and a, you know, some sort of gray matter approach to principles that we observe or a morality we try to attain. No, it's a person that we talk with. Prayer is a conversation about connection. I know I've told you, told the churches several times, but I mean, you got one pastor. I got, I got the stories I got. I'll tell you the stories I got. In Bible college, I was trying to learn how to pray. I was just trying to learn how to pray. And the Holy Spirit impressed on me. This is going to sound funny, but he's like, you, you don't ever have a night where, like, you're talking with me. I didn't have a day. I didn't have any slot. And I was like, so, like, what? Should I, should we go out sometime? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, like, yeah, I'd like to hear from you sometimes. And so I started doing this very weird thing. I'd go out to eat by myself, and I'd be like, I'm here with the Holy Spirit right now. And I'm going to treat the Holy Spirit like I would treat a confidant or a friend or a trusted person. And I'm not going to talk out loud because... But fortunately, the spiritual dialogue is something the Holy Spirit can hear. And so I'd sit at this table, and I'd order food, and I'd start to say, man, what do you think I'm going to do with my life? <laughs> do you have plans? And what needs to change? And, and in those moments, I just made a little bit of space for a personal connection. And I can't believe that God was interested. I can't believe that God was available. And then you, you, know, you read in Revelations how it says, oh, you know, he goes through the seven churches. Church, you know, you've been good at this, but you're not good at that anymore. And I wish that you would do, change this. And, and then he co- comes and says, and, and I felt like it's, it's one of those things for us as a church. When the Spirit of the Lord comes and says, oh, that you lost your first love. You, you used to be passionate about this. Remember, there, in any relationship, there's ifs and there's whens. And we have to remember, this is a relationship. And it's not about, you know, your passion for Jesus as much as it was his passion for you. 
which he displayed. And I remember just taking those nights where I was like, it's just weird. Guys would be like, hey, you want to go out tonight? You want to hang out over here? I'm like, no, I got something else on my calendar. Just sitting there at a table going, God, you're real. And you're interested in a relationship with me, which is still hard to fathom. But I'm going to step out on this. And I'm going to start talking to you like you can hear me. And I'm going to start talking to you like you want to talk back to me. And I'm going to wait and listen sometimes. And I'm just going to pause. And I'm going to be careful because sometimes stuff comes in your head and you go, well, was that God or was that me? And you go, well, the Bible, God will never violate what he's already said. So I got some good parameters there. And God would just begin to lead me. It's a relationship. Because prayer is a conversation about connection. And, and look what it says in Hebrews 4.16. And we'll end with this. It says, let, there, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us come boldly. Oh, that we would be a church and we would be individuals that know where we stand with God. That we can come boldly. We don't come hesitantly. We don't come kind of like, you know, bent over because we know that we're terrible. No, no. We know who we are, but more importantly, we know who He is. He's the lover of our soul. He's the forgiver and the redeemer and the deliverer. And so because of that, I come boldly to the throne of grace. And I get mercy and I find grace and I get help because I've got needs. And prayer is humbling because the subtext of prayer is, God, you're, the, you're my help. I need you. Be bold. Can I pray for you, church? I'm going to pray just a general prayer over us right now. Just close your eyes. Father, over these next 21 days, we would become people of prayer. This would become a house of prayer. This wouldn't be a season of prayer. This would be a, a moment, but this would become a relationship. God, we would take fasting seriously. We would plan for it. We would make a time and a put some research into it and discover exactly what we're going to do. And Lord, then we do it. And if we stumble and fail, we'll get up and we'll go again. And if we're, we don't do it perfectly, we won't worry because you've already done what we needed perfectly. You came and lived a sinless life. And you said, cast all your cares on me. But not just that. You said, I'll take also upon me every sin that you ever commit. Every terrible thought, every atrocious act, every immoral deed. I'll take it all. And I'll pay the penalty and die on the cross for that sin. So that you can know the forgiveness of God and the confidence and boldness to approach my throne whenever you need my help. So God, we say we need help in 2024. Come on, church. We need your help. We need, we need the transformation inwardly. We need the, the direction externally. And Father, most importantly, we need the connection relationally. So we, we pray right now that we would find that first love. We would find that encounter with a God who loves us 
so much that he laid aside all his divine rights, took upon himself the form of a servant, came in the frailty of flesh and blood, made himself obedient to the cross, submitted to the hardship and the brutality of Roman soldiers, suffocated, and then on the third day rose again so that we could walk in newness of life. We could walk in relationship with him. So, God, we say we want to be a church that has the when of prayer and the when of fasting as part of just who we are. It's just something we're becoming. So we're going to take bold steps of faith into it, God, but we ask for supernatural help. We ask for grace. We ask for forgiveness when we stumble and falter, but, God, more than that, we ask for the abiding presence of Jesus on this church that you would draw near to us and we would draw near to you and with every eye closed no moving around I believe there's a few people here today and listening online and over at our Dulles campus who need to approach the throne of grace for the first time boldly you hear all this about Jesus a a God who loves you and a God who has a plan for you and you know you need a relationship with Jesus. And in, in honesty, you look at your life and you say, I don't know that I'm living right. And I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I don't know that I'd have the blessing of salvation or forgiveness on my life. Well, let's start there. It might be the first time you've prayed this prayer. It might be a, a moment where you know you need a recommitment. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to invite you to lift your hand, every eye closed. And by lifting your hand, you're saying, I need Jesus in my life. Are you ready? I won't call you out of your seat. I won't call any attention to you. I'll just pray a prayer over us to close here in a moment. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hands in the air. Say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else say, yeah, include me in that prayer. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, that's it. I got you too. Thank you. Online, you're lifting your hand right where you are. And and God sees it. Dulles Campus, you lift your hand nice and high and say, I surrender to Jesus. I know I know what I've been looking for. It's Jesus. That's who I've been looking for. And we're going to pray this prayer nice and bold. You can put your hand down. Nice and bold, nice and loud, all together. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. So I surrender everything I am, everything I hope to be, everything I used to be. I put my life in your hands. Jesus, come and save me. Now say this boldly. I am a Christian. By God's grace, I'm saved. It's his gift to me. I didn't earn it. I just receive it. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we rejoice with those who just prayed that prayer for the first time? Come on, God is good.